What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video, and back with the final rankings video of the offseason, wide receivers. If you want to see another rankings video, have that up on the channel, and we will start things off with the most obvious selection that we have, Justin Jefferson. Should be the one-on-one in pretty much any format that's not super flex and super flex. You can start considering those top-tier quarterbacks, uh, maybe in some other formats that are really weird, that like really favor running back or something like that, but for the most part, uh, most of you are in normal formats uh, Jefferson, he's gonna be the one-on-one probably should have had 2000 yards last season, uh, through week 15. So entering the week 16 game, he was on pace for 1,990 receiving yards. Uh, he wanted 2000. Of course he has that huge dud in week 16 that I'm sure many of you remember. Uh, but he's awesome. He's going to be, you know, a top three wide receiver who stays healthy. He's never missed a game due to injury. Very high upside, very high floor. Don't need to go over him too much. He is the top wide receiver. Also, the Vikings, I would say, are the most likely to lead the league in pass attempts. They're going to be a very, very pass-heavy team. There's just there's no world where he's not good unless he gets hurt. Honestly, same thing can be said about Jamar Chase. He's at number two. Um, I would say that he is the most likely receiver. If we're trying to figure out who could challenge Justin Jefferson, it's Chase. Uh, 87 receptions. Over 1,000 yards, 9 touchdowns last season, and that's through 12 games, of course, had that injury, and it was at age 22. Uh, we have not seen what Chase is fully capable of yet. He's going to have some unbelievable seasons in these coming years. Season-long pace last year, 123 receptions, just under 1,500 yards, 13 touchdowns. Again, I think he's the most likely to challenge Jefferson. He hits his ceiling. If Burrow comes back early in the season, calf injury is not really slowing him down. Uh, I think that combination of players could hit for a season that's like, you know, I would say he could hit for a season that's maybe like 17, 1800 yards. I think that's in his range of outcomes. Touchdowns could really be there. He's got a very high touchdown ceiling. He could have a season with around 17 touchdowns and be the wide receiver one. Uh, very, very slight edge over Cooper Cup. Um, but again, I, I do think that Chase is the most likely to challenge Jefferson. But again, close second is Cooper Cup. Um, I feel like maybe people think that when he was healthy last year, he didn't have as good of a year as he was having. Remember, two years ago, 145 receptions, 1,947 yards, and 16 touchdowns just dominated fantasy scoring. But if you look at his pace last season before getting injured, he was on pace for 153 receptions, 1,728 yards, and 13 touchdowns. 153 receptions. That's absolutely insane. Only drawback is that he is 30. Uh, we have some injuries with Matthew Stafford, at least some sort of injury concern. You combine those two things, and like there's a, just a little bit more risk than there is with Jefferson and Chase. Uh, but, you know, just all I would say, like, if I was going to put a percentage on it, less than a 10% chance that if Cup were to play a fully healthy season, that he's not a top five wide receiver. Like he is going to be a top five wide receiver, even if we get a few true breakouts. Um, players we're going to talk about in like the next tier of people who could like really ascend into S tier. Even if we get some of those, like if he plays a fully healthy season, it's just so incredibly likely he's going to be awesome. And of course, everyone in S tier is going to have a league winning season in the range of outcomes. Final player in S tier, final player that I think has that amazing combination of 
floor and ceiling just being someone who is so unlikely to finish outside, honestly, the top like seven or eight wide receivers and could be the wide receiver one overall. And that is Tyreek Hill. Um, had a great season in his first year without Patrick Mahomes. Most receptions um, of his career, most receiving yards of his career, 119 receptions, 1,700 yards, seven touchdowns. That's really impressive. It's extra impressive when you consider Tua missed four of those games, and he left early in two others. So we had six games where Tua either didn't play or was knocked out early. Like, that's, you know, going to contribute to an even higher ceiling, like 119 receptions. I mean, Tua plays a fully healthy season. Could he approach, you know, 125, 130? Maybe. Could he approach 1,800, 1,850 yards? Yeah, and the seven touchdowns, honestly, it's Tyreek Hill. Like, he could easily score 10, 12 touchdowns. So very, very high ceiling if Tua can stay healthy. Uh, and also the weekly ceiling. That's what we really like with Tyreek Hill. He had two games last season with over 140 yards and a touchdown. Three games. This one's insane. Three games with at least 13 receptions for at least 175 yards. Like, what? That That's so incredible. Um that's just very valuable to have because when we get into these playoff weeks, um, when you have performances from your quarterback, your tight end that like just aren't up to par, it's just going to happen with certain certain teams. Having a player who can have 13 for 190 is crazy. If he had added a touchdown, I don't think he added a touchdown on any of those three games. But the point is, anyone capable of doing that can win you a week on your own. And having that in the fantasy playoffs is extraordinarily valuable because it just takes him to hit. doesn't really matter what the rest of your team does. He can help you get to the championship. And I don't have this stat in front of me, but I believe it was like three games he had single-digit fantasy points. We're not worried about Jefferson, Chase, Cup, and Hill. They have great ceilings, but even the weekly floor, it is still there. He still has a good weekly floor. That is it for S-tier. We're going to move on to the A-tier after that. First player in this tier is going to be Stefan Diggs. Three straight seasons with at least 100 receptions, at least 1,200 yards, at least eight touchdowns. So very consistently performing really well in fantasy. Uh, he just doesn't have that same ceiling as the top four. He um, He's only hit 1,500 yards, like gone over 1,500 yards one time in his eight-year career. He has maxed out at 11 touchdowns. The odds are he's not going to have that happen for the first time this season. Still an incredible pick. Uh, he's just very, very likely to finish as like a, a mid-range wide receiver one, which is still awesome. That's where you're drafting him at. Uh, he still is honestly worth a first-round pick. It's just a later first-round pick. I think these other four, uh, just a little bit more of a ceiling. After that, um, one that people will definitely question, I highlighted him in the league winners video um, I don't know, what was that, like two weeks ago probably, uh, but Devonta Adams. And many people are completely out on Adams because Jimmy Garoppolo will be their quarterback. And I do completely understand that. And you should never, ever, ever make a pick in the first, let's say three, three to four, first three to four rounds that you're not locked in on, that you don't absolutely love. And especially where Adams goes around that one-two turn, never make a pick at the one-two turn that you don't feel amazing about. And so if you prefer, um, I guess the next few wide receivers we'll talk about in a second, but if you prefer them over Adams, I am completely fine. Um, Rankings-wise, again, they're all in the same tier. They're all going to be very close in projection. I just have him here because 
he is still the best wide receiver in football until we have someone else overtake him until we see it. He's the best wide receiver in football. Um, he's elite at every single route that he runs, elite against every single coverage. It does not matter if you're playing zone, playing man, double teaming him in press coverage. It does not matter. He's amazing against all of it. He had his second most yards and his second most touchdowns in his first year without Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Uh, in the two games that Carr didn't play, they went with Jarrett Stidham, who is worse than Garoppolo. Jarrett Stidham's not a good quarterback. He had seven receptions for 153 yards and two touchdowns in their first game. That's a nuke. Like, that's an incredible game with Jarrett Stidham at quarterback. And then five for 73, still a perfectly fine outcome in that second game. He can finish with a wide receiver one with any quarterback. You take any number one or number two quarterback in the NFL, he can finish as a wide receiver one in fantasy with that quarterback. He is a phenomenal wide receiver. Yes, there are concerns because we just don't know with Garoppolo, but we've just been hearing that for a while with Adams. It was, oh, he can't be as good without Aaron Rodgers, and then he posts nukes. Oh, well, you know, he doesn't have Derek Carr now. He has Stidham. He posts a nuke. Now he doesn't have Stidham. He's got Jimmy Garoppolo. He's probably still going to post nukes. He's still going to be absolutely incredible. Uh, I think he is awesome. Sixth wide receiver in the rankings. Second wide receiver in A tier. After that, seventh wide receiver is going to be A.J. Brown. Um, coming off by far the best season of career. Uh, first season, he's been able to stay healthy. Like Maybe he could have matched that production or like approached it in previous seasons. But again, he's missed a lot of time due to injury. But 88 receptions, nearly 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns. And it was his first season with Jalen Hurts. We don't know what the true ceiling is going to be with A.J. Brown because he still just turned 26. He's in the prime of his career. Uh, Jalen Hurts is still developing as a passer. And again, it was their first season. Maybe in year two, they have a little bit more chemistry. So like, he has a lot of upside. Um, he was the third best wide receiver in, versus man coverage last season. Second best against press coverage. That's been something throughout his career. It's been very consistent. He beats press man coverage, which is just what you want from a true number one wide receiver. Um, he's awesome. Uh, the only thing holding him out of S tier is volume for the offense. Like we look at these offenses up here, right? Jefferson on the Vikings. Well, I think the Vikings could have the most pass attempts in the league. Obviously, we know the Bengals are up there in pass attempts. Last year, the Rams weren't, but that was because they went super run heavy once they had Cup and Stafford not playing because they didn't have anyone that could throw and they didn't have anyone to catch either. Uh, so obviously, they're going to run it. Uh, but under normal circumstances, they throw the ball a lot. Obviously, we know Miami would prefer to just chuck the ball around a ton to Hill and Waddle. And so you've got these offenses that are capable of throwing the ball a ton. I mean, Philly's capable of it, but they don't necessarily need to in a lot of games, and they don't necessarily want to. They've got plenty of good running backs. They've got a very mobile quarterback, and so it's just the total pass attempts of the offense is the only thing holding down A.J. Brown, but it's holding him down at the wide receiver seven in the ranks. That's just what's holding him out of S tier. Still a great pick in A tier. After him, C.D. Lamb. Um, we have not seen the ceiling yet from Lamb. I don't want to compare it to Jamar Chase, but it's almost in my mind like Jamar Chase. Like Jamar Chase is going to have a year where people's just like, oh my gosh, he is unstoppable. He's posting, you know, 120, 130 in a touchdown every single week. How is he doing this every week? Like, I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen for CeeDee Lamb, but with both those players, like we just, we have not seen the ceiling, but I'm super confident that it is coming. Uh, Lamb, 107 receptions, 1,359 yards, nine touchdowns last season. The addition of 
Brandon Cooks is going to hurt the target share. Like the target share just can't be as high. Brandon Cooks is, is a great wide receiver. Plus, you look at you know Gallup um, coming off his second year now with the ACL, or at least like second year removed from the ACL, so he's much more healthy this season. So target share probably going to go down even with Schultz leaving. Um, thing is, I think the offense is going to be much more efficient, and it's going to give defenses something else to focus on, right? Uh, when we had Gallup being kind of inefficient last season with them not having a deep threat, it was like defenses kind of look at Lamb and be like, okay, I mean, this is what we should be guarding every play. Not the case as much anymore. You need to respect Brandon Cook's downfield, and if Gallup's also going to be healthier, uh, and if they're going to be using you know Pollard more, which means he's going to be more uh, receiving role, like you have other weapons now that defenses are focusing on that's going to help Lamb be just a little bit more efficient, so that should make up for uh, the potential drop in targets. But who knows? Maybe he develops a little more as a player. Maybe the targets don't drop. The efficiency goes up, and this offense is just great, and Lamb ends up in S-tier next season. Uh, but I think this is a really good spot to have, Matt. Um, very, very locked-in floor, one of the more locked-in floors uh, among wide receivers. Um, ceiling is the question right now. Can he hit it? That's why he's not in S-tier again. I think next season, he could be. But until he shows it to us, uh, we're going to keep him there. Next wide receiver, uh, someone that I absolutely believe could be a top three wide receiver next season, and that's Garrett Wilson. Uh, it's his first year, not or it's like second year in the league, but first year, first games, I guess, that he's not going to have uh, a very mediocre quarterback. He's not going to have Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, uh, Mike White, for as much as we uh, loved Mike White time last year. Mike White's not an amazing quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is going to be an incredible upgrade for him. Um, I think actually for him, he does have that same ceiling as the people in S tier. It's just the chance of hitting that ceiling. So I think Garrett Wilson has the same like 100th percentile outcome as Tyree Kill, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. Whereas like I don't think that's necessarily the case with like we'll say Diggs and C.D. Lamb this season, maybe even A.J. Brown. But with Garrett Wilson, it's just he's got a, a lower percent chance of hitting that. Because of, honestly, how good I think the Jets are going to be. I think the Jets are going to be a really good offense. Um, I think their defense is really, really good. And so that combination will, I just think, lead to more games uh, where they're not necessarily throwing it, you know, 40 times. Rodgers also, like, you know, last few seasons, you know, he likes to play slow. He likes to read the defense. And so it just doesn't lead to a lot of games with, like, a billion pass attempts. So I don't think the Jets are going to be towards the top of the league in pass attempts. Uh, but regardless, like... Garrett Wilson showed us last season. He's going to be a superstar this year. He's going to be probably in S tier next season. Uh, we'll just see where the past temps kind of end up being. Um, but phenomenal pick at that like one, two turn. Uh, and honestly, like it's really nice having um, a little bit of a later, like not necessarily the one, two turn, but almost having like if you're in a 12 team league, let's say having that like nine, 10 pick sometimes because at the turn, you're almost looking at like, these two wide receivers, but a little earlier, you can kind of get, uh, maybe you could get the end of Tyree Kill, but maybe you can get uh, Stephon Diggs a little bit of first wide receiver upgrade. I think that Garrett Wilson, C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, and Devonta Adams are all basically the same pick. And even the next player we're talking about here, uh, Amandre St. Brown. Like, I think all of these wide receivers, Adams, Brown, Lamb, Wilson, and then St. Brown, are basically the same pick. They're, they're different wide receivers. They have different skill sets. But like in terms of fantasy production, their floors, their ceiling, they're all so, so, so good. They all have locked-in floors, incredible ceilings. And so it's like you almost want to just be like, 
whoever's last. I don't want to be the first to like pick two of this range. It's like give me, you know, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, hopefully, or Stephon Diggs, and then maybe just want to be last in taking these wide receivers. Um, they're not always going to have that luxury because it's like you can't wait until round three. None of these players are available in round three. But if you can ever, you know, get like Tyreek Hill plus Garrett Wilson, Tyreek Hill plus Amon or St. Brown, that's such a good way to start off your draft, especially in a full PPR format. These are half PPR rankings. If you want to see full PPR, it's on the site. Um, but yeah, I mean, such locked-in floors, locked-in ceilings. I would say for St. Brown, um, maybe people do question the ceiling a little bit. I'll say this. In the first eight or six weeks where um, Jameson Williams is suspended for, he's going to have like a 40% target share. It's going to be unreal how many targets are going to him. Also, uh, I guess the negative for him last season was he wasn't scoring a ton of touchdowns and he's not used deep downfield, so he needs to rack up eight, nine, ten receptions to really hit a ceiling. It seems like he's going to be a little bit more involved deep downfield this season, which would be nice. And also, if you look at reports from camp, he has really developed in the red zone. He's like a featured weapon in the red zone. He's been awesome there. And so if he did develop in that area and he can approach, you know, 10, 12 touchdowns, when you add on that with the receptions, he's another player. I could definitely see a world where maybe like, like we're still going to have Jefferson and Chase, but maybe, you know, one year older for Tyreek Hill and Cooper Cup. Like maybe next season, the rankings are like Jefferson, Chase, Garrett Wilson, St. Brown. I could see that actually happening. Uh, so still, again, uh, a lot more upside than I think people think with St. Brown when they kind of look at his game log. Next tier, we're going to go into the B tier. So a mini drop off right now, and we're going to go with Chris Olave leading out the B tier. Um, and we're just going to throw up the next wide receiver as well. If I can find him, there he is, Jalen Waddle. Only two players in B tier. So how drafts really do work out is like Jefferson, Chase, Cup, Hill. Honestly, I'm just going to pull up this next one as well. I'm going to pull up C tier. We're going to do all four of these players basically at the same time. Pull up Devonta Smith here. There's only two players in C tier as well because I kind of want to highlight how drafts work. Locked in first rounders, Jefferson, Chase, Cup, Terry Kill. They should go in the first round in every draft. Uh, you basically get to the end of the first round with Diggs and Adams and maybe AJ Brown if it's like a three wide receiver format. Uh, if we're looking at like half PPR, you know, classic two wide receiver, two running back, one flex, you're kind of looking at like maybe Diggs as like at the turn and you're looking early second round for Adams, Brown, Lamb, Wilson, St. Brown. Then you see a little bit of a break and all those like top end running backs should come off the board. And then it's basically once you leave those top end running backs, you get into Olave and Waddle. Love Olave and Waddle. Um, honestly, I think Olave would have won rookie of the year over Garrett Wilson had he played in the two and a half games that he missed with injury. Like had he not um, not left that one game, uh, I think he had the concussion uh, and then not missed I believe it was a week after that, but then another week later in the season. Um, had he not missed those games, I think he wins Rookie of the Year. Uh, he is a star already, easily number one wide receiver on uh, the Saints. The question with him is, Saints offense, are they going to run the ball a ton? I mean, probably going to run the ball a ton. Uh, they do have other playmakers on the team. He's still the clear-cut wide receiver one, but they have other players and it's a lower-volume offense, and I don't think Derek Carr is like phenomenal. Um, but I think Olave's still got a, a very, very high ceiling just because, I mean, we saw what Derek Carr was able to do with Adams last season, especially downfield. That's what I'm excited about with Olave is if he's as good as he was last season downfield and Carr's, you know, better throwing deep than we had Andy Dalton, um, 
massive upside with Olave. Um, I just think you can't really put Olave into this A tier. And it's same uh, with Jalen Waddle. It's like, I think Waddle's awesome. And if Terry Kill ever got hurt, Waddle's probably an S tier. Like every single week, he's probably got like a 35% target share. Um, he is just the number two on the team. We do have those concerns with Tua. Um, yeah, if you want like a, a super in-depth take about the differences between Olave Waddle and the differences between the next two in this like mini drop-off after that, T. Higgins and Devonta Smith. I have full videos breaking down. It's actually three, and I honestly forget who the other wide receiver was in each video. But Olave and Waddle have a video, and then T. Higgins and Devonta Smith also have a video. So check those videos out. It's like probably six, seven minutes on each individual player. But I wanted to bring them up because that's basically how it works out. You kind of get into this range at the end of round two after St. Brown. Mini drop-off, you get into Olave and Waddle. Olave actually goes like super late on ESPN. His ADP is kind of ridiculous. But you get into this drop-off into Olave and Waddle. Then like more players should come off the board. You start honestly considering the tight ends, those, those top-end quarterbacks. And then you get into this other mini tier of T. Higgins, of Devonta Smith. Both, of course, wide receiver twos on their own team. But that team is a very, very good team. We've got the Bengals and the Eagles. And so you've got two players that if there's an injury, they're wide receiver ones. Um, honestly, they're basically like, I don't want to say one B's because like they are still the number two, but they're incredibly talented. They'd be the number one on like virtually every other team in the NFL. Like so many other teams, they'd be a wide receiver one. And they've produced really well uh, in the past. Like if you look at T. Higgins kind of gets a knock on the, the points per game numbers. People always like to bring that up. Like, oh, those points per game never been high. Please remember that, like, um, T. Higgins had multiple games where he was leaving after, like, zero targets, after, like, one snap. That's factoring into the points per game. When he's actually out there playing healthy, he is, like, a high-end wide receiver, too. And so he should be there in the rankings because the upside's also really, really high if anything happened to Chase or if the offense uh, just really gets going in a lot of games. So... Again, drop off into those two, uh, but definitely ahead of the D and the E tiers. So who starts these tiers? We'll get into D tier now. Uh, these are very, very large tiers. Uh, we're basically starting, I would say, like the late third round is where we start off with DK Metcalf. Um, worst season of his career for touchdowns. Had a very low touchdown total last year. Touchdowns are largely random. They're not random in the sense that like some scrub's going to spike for like 15 of them. But you can have a player like DK Metcalf, who is obviously a red zone threat, obviously getting a lot of work, you know, in the red zone, in the end zone, in the green zone, inside the 10-yard line. But he can have years where he has six touchdowns. Like, that can just happen. Uh, I would say on average, he probably scores 10 to 12 touchdowns. And so he's going to have uh, what I think uh, is a big bounce back this year. The one question with him uh, is, you know, JSN, we're going to talk about in a bit, joining the team. Um, that's obviously going to cap the potential target ceiling for Metcalf because Lockett is still incredible. Jason's going to command a ton of targets and Seattle's not going to throw the ball 50 times a game. Like they could still only throw it so much. And so capped ceiling a little bit for Metcalf, but I also think the efficiency could go up because if, you know, there's another player that defenses really have to focus on in JSN, they can only focus so much on DK Metcalf. And if you give DK Metcalf single coverage, that is a very, very scary thing. Uh, so I think he should be the leader in D tier. After that, uh, potential bounce back as well for Debo Samuel. Uh, he is not happy with how uh, the 2022 season went for him. He's apparently in much better shape this season. Um, he's not going to have a season like he did back in 2021. But 
this is an amazing offense. Um, we've got a potentially higher ceiling now if Purdy can be fully healthy. It seems like he's good to go. It seems like Purdy's going to be the starting quarterback, that he is healthy. Um, we don't really know how talented Purdy is just yet. We haven't had a big enough sample size. But he's clearly, you know, going to have a higher ceiling than um, higher ceiling in the passing department than Trey Lance would have had before, just because Trey Lance before we knew they were going to design him a lot of runs, and that's obviously terrible news for all the pass catchers. And so Purdy's not going to get that. Purdy's going to be a pocket passer. That benefits them. Um, and then the other option was Jimmy Garoppolo, who I mean, no one wants to draft Devonta Adams because they're like, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo's so terrible. Like, if Brock Purdy is even half decent, we're going to have really good passing numbers for this offense. Uh, and obviously, Debo Samuel's an incredible wide receiver. Um, so, yeah, I think a bounce back for him makes a lot of sense this season. After that, um, I don't know if you want to call it a bounce back or like a comeback or whatever you want to call it. But Calvin Ridley apparently been dominating in camp. Uh, I think he's going to unlock a new ceiling that we haven't seen from Trevor Lawrence. He's getting... Very expensive on underdog. I saw him go, I believe it was 23rd or 24th overall this morning. And I was just like, like I love the Jaguars, but I can't take Calvin Ridley uh, at like, you know, tail end of round two, beginning of round three, like that general range. That's still a little bit too early for me. Uh, but he's an early fourth round pick on um, all these other sites. Actually, a fifth rounder on ESPN somehow. Uh, I think he could have 1,300, maybe even 1,400 yards this season. Touchdown should be there on what I think is going to be a much, much better offense than people are assuming. Uh, and he is the locked-in number one. It's not going to be Christian Kirk, although we're going to go with Christian Kirk in a little bit. Uh, I still think Christian Kirk is a great pick. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Calvin Ridley, apparently he's been special in camp. Uh, I think he's going to have a phenomenal season. Jaguars, you want to be all over them this year. After them, Marty Cooper. Um, someone that I think is extraordinarily likely to return value. I think it's pretty unlikely Cooper has like a really bad season. Uh, my only hesitation with him is that through eight seasons now, he's had over 85 receptions only one time. He's never had 1,200 yards. Uh, he's never had 10 touchdowns. And so to expect him to just like break all of that this season, have you know a season where he's returning like second round uh, value, I mean, he probably needs 10 touchdowns. He probably needs over 1,200 yards. He probably needs over 85 receptions. And for him to just break all of that for the first time this season, you're just asking for a lot. Can it happen? Absolutely. You're just asking for a lot to go right. And so if I'm picking a Browns pass catcher, it's Elijah Moore first. I love David Njoku. Uh, then I would put Amari Cooper after that. Um Honestly, in on underdog, like I would probably put DPJ next because DPJ goes so late and he's got that weekly ceiling. Uh, then I would put Cooper just like at cost. He, he's a very expensive wide receiver, and I think again he's probably going to return value. Uh, so if you're a safe player, you know you don't like to take chances, and you're like Nick Calvin Ridley's far too risky for me to draft. Maybe you don't trust Debo Samuel coming back uh, this season, I guess from injury, um, but also just like from disappointing last year, and you want to play it safe. Sure. Go with Cooper in this range. Uh, you all know I'm a more risky player. I would prefer take a shot on Debo, take a shot on Calvin Ridley. After that, honestly, similar story, not to the same degree, uh, but a similar story with uh, with Keenan Allen. He maxed out at eight touchdowns in 2020. He turned 31 this April. I just question the ceiling. When you've got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Quentin Johnston, Gerald Everett, all healthy, the target share can only be so high for Keenan Allen. Again, 
I don't necessarily think 31 is like some cutoff where every wide receiver falls off a cliff. We've seen plenty of really good seasons at 31, even 32, 33 years old. It's just a season where we've also historically seen players perform really, really well through age 30, then fall off a cliff out of nowhere at age 31. Do I think it's going to happen? If you made me guess with Keenan Allen, will he fall off a cliff? My guess would be no. We haven't seen any signs from it. I don't think it's going to happen, but we can't know. And so when we factor in, okay, you've got that. He's got now the most target competition of his career. We're taking him very, very early. And again, he's maxed out at eight touchdowns. I'm like, what? He's going to have the best season of his career this season? Like, I don't think so. And so love the Chargers. I would just gain my Chargers exposure through Austin Eckler and Herbert. I think Herbert is just a great pick. It's just so difficult to pick correctly on the wide receivers this year. Like, I think Allen will have his weeks. Williams will have his weeks. Uh, Quentin Johnson will have his weeks. And so on underdog, it's basically like take one of them and rotate through with Herbert teams. But in redraft, it's going to be hard to predict which one's going to have the best season, especially at cost given ADP. And so I would just draft Justin Herbert. And then you're right. If the offense does good, if these guys are all great, hey, you got Herbert. He's throwing for over 5,000 yards and he's going to be really good. E tier, and I have now noticed that I somehow removed the F tier. There is an F tier, so there's two more tiers left. I think everyone's probably looking at that screen being like, what do you have, every single wide receiver in E tier? Uh, there are two more. Uh, we're going to start off with Drake London in E tier. A lot of people do not like me liking Drake London. And again, I understand the volume concerns. If you are someone who does not believe in the Falcons offense, just don't draft Drake London. Draft another player in this tier that is very, very, very close to him in the projection. Um, again, just to very much reiterate, when you have players in these tiers, if you want to jumble around the rankings, go for it. You think Amonor St. Brown should be ahead of Lamb and Garrett Wilson? Go for it. I personally don't think you should move too much between tiers. I don't think you should move Keenan Allen up next to T. Higgins and Vonta Smith, or even up next to Olave and Waddle. But within the tiers, if you want to move things around a bunch, go for it. The projection is going to be very, very similar. My take is going to be very, very similar for them. But uh, Drake London, third most receiving yards for a Falcons rookie behind Kyle Pitts and Julio Jones last season. Uh, ninth best success rate versus double teams in the NFL last year. Clear the 70th percentile success rate versus man and zone. They add Bijan. They get Pitts back yes that is going to drop his target share and yes that's a concern on a low volume offense but it's going to drop his target share like he had the fifth highest target share in the nfl last season just ahead of jamar chase aj brown and jefferson those are the three wide receivers that were after him and target share last season so it can drop a little bit and still be very very good and i think any drops going to be made up for by like him not being a rookie so just being better being more efficient um it's going to be made up for by not having Mariota, who was objectively terrible last season. And it'll be made up for by just like the improvements they've had, the improvements on the offensive line, improvements in other areas, taking defenders away from Drake London, focusing on him and focusing on other areas, scoring more points, staying on the field more. Like they're just going to be a better offense. And they were already a pretty decent offense last season. So I like Drake London. Um, I think he's very, very talented. I think he should be going in that range. Jerry Judy. After him, uh, next wide receiver in E tier, theoretically has been a bust in all three seasons of his career, 
but it's been because of injury. When he's actually out there healthy, he's been really, really good. 20th in points per game last year. And so you're like, okay, yeah, that's generally where he's going in the rankings. Well, he played one snap in a game, 10 snaps in a game, 20 snaps in a game. Like, remove those three injury games, and he was 10th in points per game last year when they were a complete dumpster fire on offense. And so he has a ton of upside. He'll be 24 all year this year, so still incredibly young. Uh, just a great pick in the fifth round in redraft leagues. When we start to see that drop off, I mean, the floor and ceiling for Jerry Judy is there. I know it doesn't seem like it, but it is there. Um, 38th overall in underdog, a little bit more difficult to get behind. Not against it, and I definitely have some. I'm definitely gaining a little bit more because I do think he's been great this season. Um, like him a little bit more in like the fifth round uh, in redraft leagues. After him, Hopkins. Uh, wouldn't say I'm like as in love with that one. Uh, it's really difficult to know what to expect in his first year on the Titans. But we know he's definitely the wide receiver one. Uh, we know that Tannehill is still like a really, really good quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback, but Tannehill is, is definitely still good. Uh, biggest negative is the volume. Uh, and the fact that like Traylon Burks is also having a really good camp. We know they're going to involve Chica Conquo on offense. Uh, and we just know they're not going to be a high-volume team. They're not going to be a high-volume passing offense. There's not going to be many pass attempts to go around. And so we're going to need Hopkins to command a very, very high target share. Um, I like where he's going right now. Like Generally, like a, a low-end wide receiver two, if you could get him as your wide receiver three, I think that would be really good. Uh, I definitely wouldn't trust it as my wide receiver one or like as a high-end two. Um, but, you know, he's, he's 31 as well, uh, like with Keenan Allen. And so I don't necessarily think think the drop-off is coming, but we should be cognizant of the fact that it could happen and kind of apply that to some level of risk in drafting him. Uh, so, like him, uh, definitely want him to fall, though, not reaching for uh, DeAndre Hopkins this season. Mike Williams, next wide receiver, uh, definitely hurts adding Quentin Johnston, you know, same concern as Keenan Allen there, just adding another really, really good playmaker to the offense. They also really like Joshua Palmer. Maybe they're hyping it up a little bit, but like he's apparently looked really well, really good in camp. And so it's like they have other people. So even if the offense explodes, it's exploding to like a lot of different, really talented players. Um, but I will note, if we think that Herbert's going to be great and we look at like the season-long pace for Mike Williams before his injury last season, it was 90 receptions, over 1,200 yards, and seven touchdowns. And we know Mike Williams is also a player who could have a spike season for around 10 to 12 touchdowns. He's got a very, very high ceiling. Um, I have him as the wide receiver 23, 51st overall. Uh, he goes 60th overall, 68th on ESPN. So even though we have some concerns, if you're getting him close to pick 70, if he falls on ESPN, he's at pick like 75. That is such an amazing value for Mike Williams. I feel like people don't remember like, he had a really, really good year, what, like, two years ago when he started off just dominating. He's like the wide receiver one in fantasy for the first month before getting injured last season. Was really, really good. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's a really, really good pick. Um, doesn't really come too early in drafts. Uh, someone who I... It's tough to ever say don't think an amazing pick with Terry McLaurin because he's such a good player, very talented. I just... He's not in a good situation, Right, like I'm not a Sam Howell truther. I think they should probably go with Jacoby Brissett, but even then, not in love with it. Um, I'm a, a Dotson truther. I think Jahan Dotson's a really good wide receiver. He's going to command a very real target share this season. Um, the tough part with McLaurin, 
when you're thinking about his ceiling is like he has never finished inside the top 20 in points per game. And so do we think this year will be the first time? Like, I don't know. Like he he's had a number of seasons in his career. He's had opportunities where he's been clearly the number one wide receiver in seasons where the quarterback play is probably going to be exactly the same as the season. And so when you have Dotson in year two, expected to make a pretty good leap this offseason when you've got you know multiple running backs they're hoping to get a little bit more involved in the receiving game it's like maybe McLaurin doesn't have that same dominant target share that he's had in the past and if that's happening on the commanders I don't love it so I think he's a very safe pick uh, someone who's probably going to return value at worst barely not uh, return value but I don't think he really exceeds it and we would prefer to draft someone who could exceed it uh, next player definitely could, uh, but I would say the risk is definitely high, uh, and that's Christian Watson. Really tough to evaluate here him because it, it really all depends on Jordan Love. So if you're a Jordan Love truther, if you think Jordan Love is going to be a good quarterback, you should absolutely be drafting Christian Watson because the upside is incredible. Uh, but really, like the entire take is he has 41 career receptions and Love has 50 career completions. We are not working off a very large sample size of either one of them. So we have no idea the true ceiling of Watson and the true ceiling of Jordan Love and what the true floor is for either one of them. Uh, so I think it's worth, like if you're playing an underdog, definitely worth gaining exposure because he's got a lot of upside. And I probably should have a little bit more of him. Uh, in redraft leagues, it's got to come down to what you think of Jordan Love. If you like him, take Watson. If you don't like him at all, don't take them because there's still great wide receivers in this range. Last player in this tier is Christian Kirk. Um, I think people are undervaluing him again this season. Ridley's going to be the number one. He's going to be the number one wide receiver on this team. But uh, seventh round on non-underdog sites, like that's a crazy ADP for Christian Kirk. He had 84 receptions, a little over 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns last season. Target share will come down, but it's going to impact these like, you know, tertiary number four wide receivers a little bit more than Christian Kirk. Like it, it's going to drop but also Christian Kirk was the one last year and I don't know that Christian Kirk is truly a number one wide receiver I think he'll thrive in a number two role with defenses really needing to focus on Calvin Ridley he's going to face a bunch of single coverage he's going to be like really like honestly Lawrence has talked about um it kind of took you know half the year into the back half of the year for him to like really get comfortable with Christian Kirk he's going to be fully confident in him this season and if if he's facing exclusively like single coverage, he can have a highly efficient season. He can have a better season than he had last year just because the targets come down, but the efficiency could go way up. And again, I really like the Jaguars offense, so I think Christian Kirk is an awesome pick. Uh, starting out the F tier, and again, everything is relative, right? If we were comparing the top 100 wide receivers, of course, we wouldn't have these players in F tier, but among the top 35, this is the last tier of wide receiver. Uh, again, Brandon Ayuk, um, apparently been dominating camp. I know we get those reports a lot of the time, but like it was true last season. I, I like people, I don't know. People don't like Brandon Ayuk, I think, uh, just because of kind of what happened two years ago with him starting the season in the doghouse. But like, I think people are like, oh, well, yeah, they hyped him up last year. Nothing happened. He had the sixth highest success rate in the entire league versus man coverage. He had an 89th percentile success rate versus press. He's a true number one wide receiver. He showed us that last year. He's apparently having an even better camp this year. Like, He's great. He's a great wide receiver. The only thing holding him back is, well, it's the 49ers. They're going to run the ball a ton. They're not going to play super duper fast. And so the pass attempts on the offense are going to be there. Uh, they've got 
Debo Samuel. They've got George Kittle. They've got Christian McCaffrey. There's a bunch of players who are going to earn targets. And so if he was on another team, he'd obviously be better in fantasy. But I think he's going to have a high-end ceiling this season. I think he could hit you know, 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns. He just feels like a discount Terry McLaurin. Like Terry McLaurin, I have, what, I guess four spots ahead of him by the rankings. But he goes 20 picks back in ADP. And so if you're someone who likes someone like Terry McLaurin, because you like that locked-in floor, you're okay maybe sacrificing a little bit of the ceiling. Brandon Ayuk is like the same pick, not value-wise. Like I'd still rather have Terry McLaurin, but he's the same pick in the idea that he's not going to bust. He's a very, very low chance of busting. And so he's a very safe pick, but he costs you basically two rounds later in the draft. And that could be a very, very big difference. In this E tier could be your opportunity to potentially grab one of Drake London, Judy, Christian Watson, Christian Kirk, like some really high upside wide receivers, even Mike Williams. Talk about a very high upside wide receiver. And if you want to take that like risk and drop it a little bit, a little bit later in the draft, well, then two rounds later, maybe you go after Brandon Ayuk. And so you don't take Terry McLaurin and then a risky wide receiver in F tier. Maybe you take Jerry Judy and Brandon Ayuk. You still get a more risky receiver and a safer one. But the safer one is Brandon Ayuk, if that makes sense at all. I'd just rather spend a little bit of a later pick on the safe one. Um, I mean, honestly, I don't typically, I just don't draft Terry McLaurin all that much because of that upside thing. But if you want to draft like a safer pick, again, I'd rather do Ayuk later. After Ayuk, uh, someone I just have not been drafting very much of, um, DJ Moore. He's a great wide receiver. He really is. But like the 49ers, you know, the Bears just run the ball so much with the passing volumes low. And so you're like, well, why why don't why do you love Ayuk then and not DJ Moore? Well, number one, I mean, this is the first year with DJ Moore with Fields. We just don't know what that chemistry is gonna be like. But number two, I mean, Chicago was last by a mile in pass times per game. Like they were at 22.2 pass times per game. If you gave DJ Moore a 50% target share, unheard of, not gonna happen, right? That is a crazy high target share. No one hits that. Even at that it's 11 targets per game for DJ Moore. And given how efficient this offense is, that's a good season. But even that wouldn't be like, oh my goodness, that's a league winner. Like it'd be really, really good. But the point is, if you have a 50% target share, you should be the number one wide receiver in fantasy. And that wouldn't even be close to happening with DJ Moore. And so when we now consider he's not going to hit a 50% target share, like, I don't know. It's kind of a scary low floor for DJ Moore. Mooney's still a quality receiver. Claypool's actually been having a really good camp. They've got now multiple tight ends. They're going to run the ball a billion times per game. I just don't see it. I don't see a ceiling with DJ Moore, uh, so I just don't draft him very much. Uh, someone I do draft, though, a ton of, is Chris Godwin, because he also goes you know, a lot later in the draft. Uh, seventh season, but he's still only 27 years old because he was very young when he entered the league. Now, two years removed from the tournament. See, I'll remember, I've said that like for years now, um, the first year back from a torn ACL for a wide receiver, typically they don't return to the form they were pre-injury. That second season, so we have Gallup this year, and we've also got Chris Godwin, that's when we start to see them return to pre-torn ACL form. Also helps when they're younger. Uh, Godwin was right on the cusp when he had that injury, uh, but it was still totally fine when he had it. He should be good to go this season. He also returned very quickly last year. So Good to go, obviously, off the injury, but I think he's going to have a much better season this year in terms of, like, you know, him as a player. The problem will be quarterback play, right? I mean, it's not going to be good. Um, 
hopefully one of Baker or Trask can really step it up, uh, can really like, you know, help him elevate from a floor play to a ceiling play. But he's had um, he's had higher end seasons in the past. He was what, like the wide receiver two overall with Jameis Winston. I know people don't like that general take because Winston's more of like a, like a YOLO quarterback. Like he'll just chuck the ball and doesn't even care what ends up happening. But objectively, like Winston is not a good quarterback. Like he's not a good quarterback. He couldn't beat out Andy Dalton. He was under no consideration getting like destroyed by Derek Carr. Andy Dalton, Derek Carr, not exactly like world beaters at the quarterback position. So like he's not good. And so, again, I don't think Trask is good. I don't think Baker is good. But I don't think Winston is good either. And he's wide receiver two overall or like top three overall. We don't need that to happen with Chris Codwin. Look at how far back he is. He's even further than this by ADP. He doesn't need to have a high-end wide receiver one season. A wide receiver two season is still fully in his range of outcomes and would still outproduce his ADP. So I really, really like drafting him. Uh, he is my fifth most rostered wide receiver on underdog right now. Uh, and it is the second most rostered behind Elijah Moore for only counting like mid round wide receivers kind of depends on where you cut off mid round for Elijah Moore, but second most rostered. I draft him a ton. And remember for those of you who signed up uh, for the website, you can upload the underdog rankings directly to underdog. Also, these are half PPR rankings. They're not technically the underdog rankings just because underdog is a three wide receiver format. This is for two wide receiver, uh, but also underdog is best ball. So it accounts for weekly ceiling changes a little bit. It doesn't change too much. If you used this for underdog, you'd be totally fine. Um, but also it's only 36 underdog goes for 18 rounds. You're gonna need a lot more than that. Uh, but again, if you signed up for it, you have access to that. You can upload them directly to underdog draft from your app with my rankings. Uh, and then anyone who signs up for underdog using promo code FFA, uh, you'll not only get your deposit matched up to hundred bucks, but you'll also get my rankings. And that's not only my underdog rankings, it's redraft as well. So if you're in a redraft league, you want those redraft rankings, but you don't want to pay full price on the site, uh, you can go through underdog, promo code FFA, minimum $10 deposit. Next morning, you're going to get my rankings. Next player in the rankings after Chris Godwin, um, someone who I haven't drafted a ton of, and I know you guys really like him this season, is Deontay Johnson. Um, I just question... The ceiling. I understand he got super unlucky with touchdowns last season. Uh, yes, makes sense that he's not going to have zero again. He had what was it, like 147 targets, zero touchdowns, and we were we were probably in like week like eight or nine, and we were like, is he going to like break the record? And then he shattered the record by probably like 20 or 30 targets over the next most that like had you know around like 110 targets and didn't score a touchdown. Like 147 targets, no touchdowns. That's just very unlucky. It's not that he's bad in the red zone. It's that that is. Super unlucky. That'll reverse course this season. But it has to. He was 52nd in half PPR points per game last season. The wide receiver, 52. He was 6th in targets, 52nd in points per game behind Isaiah Hodgins and Josh Palmer. So yeah, he's going to need a few touchdowns to get up. If he had 6 touchdowns last season, he still would not have paid off his current ADP. That's my concern. Is that people like, oh, well, what if he gets up in the touchdowns? It's like, yeah. He has to, because if he doesn't, he's going to be a horrendous pick. Even if he brings those touchdowns up to six or seven, it's still not that amazing of a pick given his ADP. And again, I think George Pickens is good. He'll advance in year two. Fryermuth is still a good tight end. They're going to throw plenty to Warren, to Najee. Like this is not a prolific offense. And so I don't know. I'll let other people draft Deontay, especially with a rising ADP. After him, Jason, 
Um, I think JSN has more long-term upside than short-term this season. So I think he's going to have a phenomenal season in like two or three years. I don't think in his rookie season he's going to go out there and have like 1,300 yards, right? Because Metcalf's still great. Lockett, who we're going to talk about in a second, is still great. Um, I think he's going to be efficient because of how loaded that offense is. Um, but like you're not going to command a 25% target share when you've got Metcalf and Lockett healthy. Um, I do think there's a chance that he starts the season sort of slow, that they're, you know, still using a lot of two tight end sets. You know, he's getting like a 50%, 60% snapshot the first few weeks. People panic. He's a great buy low. And then the second half of the year, he does amazing. So maybe we keep that in the back of our mind in redraft leagues. And uh, we maybe don't draft him as much in redraft because of that. But then I looked at his ADP and it's the eighth round. Eighth round ADP is more than fair because also it's like, okay, who cares? Like, who cares if he's got, you know, a 56% snap share first few weeks that he's posting a few, like, you know, four for 50 type games. He's not getting into the end zone. You're like, ah, is the upside really there? What do you care in the eighth round? You're not starting your eighth round pick in the first few weeks of the season unless you have busts early on. But like, you're probably not starting him if that's the case. You can afford to wait a few weeks, let the snap share get up, and then we're really going to start to see him get going. Like in the second half of the year, I think he's going to really start rolling. He's going to have some great weeks. And so maybe a buy low candidate, but an eighth round ADP, I'm cool buying someone that maybe starts off a little bit slower. And if he doesn't, I mean, that's going to be really, really nice because we know the, the rest of the season is going to be awesome. After him, his teammate, Tyler Lockett. Um, again, I do prefer JSN, uh, but I think JSN, again, second half of the year, I think for the first half of the year, Lockett will probably score more fantasy points. But, you know, if you flip-flop that, you maybe you value that early season production a little bit more. Lockett, sure, take him a little bit ahead. Uh, Lockett was still great last season. Um, I know that... 31 is really where we start to get concerned for wide receivers, but he had the fourth highest success rate versus man coverage last season, seventh highest success rate against zone coverage. Uh, he was elite at age 30. I don't think he falls off a cliff and is terrible at age 31. It's going to be a good offense. I think he's going to be a big part of that, and he's going to be great this season. After Lockett, Michael Pittman Jr., uh, no concerns about talent, a lot of concerns about the offense. Like I, I personally think Richardson's going to play every single game. I think Richardson starts in week one. Is a quarterback every week. But regardless, if it's Minshew in week one, two, Richardson starting in week three, the point will be it is not going to be a high-volume passing offense. It is not going to be an efficient passing offense. Now, on underdog, dude's been cratering. Like, he goes really late, and we do get to the point in underdog where I'm just sitting there like, okay, he's still a way better wide receiver than some of the people going around him. Uh, so when all these wide receivers are off the board and we get to Pittman here, at what? I mean, off the top of my head, 33, the 33rd wide receiver here. Um, when that happens, you're like, okay, like he's a number one wide receiver still, and he's still a phenomenal talent. And like he's still going to have some weeks where he's really good. And so at this point, I'm drafting him if he falls this far. Uh, but I think just talking about why he's this far, because he's a very, very good talent, and he is a number one. Like Lockett is literally the number three wide receiver, or two, three, you know. Uh, JSN and Lockett there two three wide receiver on their own teams Pittman's the number one by a lot it's just like when Richardson's a quarterback if they're going to run it a billion times if Richardson's not going to be super accurate in his first year you can only rank Pittman so high so if he falls this far definitely like him uh, but that's why he's going this late after him Jordan Addison. Um, I think Addison could definitely lead all rookie wide receivers in like receiving yards, receptions, all those stats, uh, just because 
Again, I think the Vikings can be uh, the highest passing volume offense in the NFL. If he's going to be the clear number two behind Jefferson ahead of Osborne, that's awesome, right? If he steps into wide receiver two role on the highest volume passing offense in the league, which is going to have good quarterback play, that's a really good situation to walk yourself into. Again, don't panic if we get into the first like two, three weeks of the season and Addison's not really breaking out. Um, you don't have to draft him to be a starter right away. And rookies typically break out in the second half of the year. After him, we've got final two wide receivers, Marquise Brown and Mike Evans. I'm not really a Marquise Brown fan. I uh, haven't been drafting him that much. I think the Cardinals are going to be the worst team in the NFL this season, largely because of their offense being so bad. Um, I would not be surprised if Kyler didn't return, honestly, until the midpoint of the season and maybe even later than that. They're going to run the ball a ton. I think Michael Wilson will command more targets than people think. Um, I think he's a good pick in round 18 on underdog. Uh, Rondell Moore is going to command targets. And again, if they're running it a ton on a very inefficient passing game, not a lot of touchdowns. I don't want Marquise Brown for where he's going, which is way higher than this. And then Mike Evans, um, similar take to Godwin in that like if people aren't going to value this offense and you're going to get Mike Evans this late, that's a good pick. Like as the 36th wide receiver, you can get him that late. That's awesome. That's really, really good value for him. Um, I have him behind Godwin just because if we are concerned with the quarterback play, which we are. Uh, I'm more concerned with Evans because he works deeper downfield. And so if the quarterback plays bad and they simply can't connect with him downfield, well, then he just stinks, right? At least with Godwin, they can get him screen passes. They can get him the ball close to the line of scrimmage to where you can only be so bad as a quarterback if you can't throw a screen pass to Chris Godwin. And so I know they do still some screen passes to Mike Evans, but Mike Evans still works typically deeper downfield than Godwin. The, a bad quarterback play is going to hurt Mike Evans a little bit more. That's why I have him a little bit later. Uh, but again, when I, I'll close with this, anyone within a tier, if you're like, no, Nick, I love Mike Evans, love the upside. I think he connects with Baker downfield a ton. Move him up. You can move people however you want within the tiers. I just wouldn't bring Mike Evans up to this tier, right? If you really want to move him up ahead of Godwin, sure, put him there. Rearrange within the tiers. I wouldn't do too much shifting between the tiers. So, that is the top 36 wide receivers. Again, if you want to see all the wide receivers, the top like 300 wide receivers in the league, uh, how I have them ranked, you can check that out on my website, thefantasyfootballadvice.com. And if you want to get those rankings uh, and also have underdog rankings for a little bit cheaper, use promo code FFA when you sign up for your first underdog account uh, today. That's going to get you the rankings the following day. So it's not going to be exactly when you sign up, but the following morning, you'll get an email with your login information to the website, and you'll be able to see all of my underdog rankings, which you can upload directly to underdog, but also all of my redraft rankings. So I'll be back tomorrow with some sort of player breakdown, Friday with some sort of top five video, and then we'll do uh, like a news watch, market watch, ADP watch, something like that on Saturday. Then my friends, is there this one? Hope you all enjoyed. If you did, Hop on the like button, hop subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Thanks for watching.